You're listening to Let's Talk About This Yesterday, a podcast dedicated to raising awareness for various mental health and wellness issues. I'm Tam, your hostess. Welcome. Okay, so hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of my podcast. So just to give you a bit of a timeline, my first episode was actually recorded on May 25th of this year, 2020, in Montreal. And today we are July 19th, and I'm filming to you from a small town in British Columbia called Enderby. Yeah, what happened? Why such a lag? Well, you know, life just happens. As everybody knows, um, it's been kind of a tough road for everyone with uh, everything that's been going on with the COVID. Uh, And I had a particularly difficult uh, couple of of months. I was struggling a lot with um, a lot of my demons, a lot of my issues with my mental illness. You know, obviously, anybody who doesn't have mental illness is suffering from anxiety and developing maybe even some mental illness from what's been going on being with our whole world being shaken by not just that you know not just COVID but you know the Black Lives Matter movement and now a second wave of the Me Too uh, movement in the Quebec film industry for examples just some examples yeah I I just uh, you know uh, I had to kind of get my my stuff together I'll explain to you following that why I'm actually here I just felt like uh, the environment was not really helping me, given that I did not have a job or a place or, you know, and I was struggling with just a lot of issues due to my mental illness, my eating disorder uh, particularly. And, you know, there were a couple of people in my life who, unfortunately, you know, uh, there can add some toxicity. So basically, I had to take this break and refocus and I'm, I'm glad to say that I do have a job lined up now in August and I did find a new place a new apartment to to live in that I'm moving in August 7th but in the meantime I felt like the best thing to do was for me to break the cycle of maybe self-destruction that I was going on uh, back in Montreal and come all the way here to beautiful room without further ado just to give you that little recap almost two months later, let's go on with the second episode. So this episode, telling you guys right up, it's uh, called This Is Me because it really is just about me and who I am and my journey, you know, in a nutshell or I guess a really kind of big nutshell, I guess like a Brazilian nutshell, well nutshell, anyways, because I'm going to, you know, start a bit from my childhood. But uh, yeah, so I figured after introducing my concept, like the concept of my show last time, that I would talk to you a little bit about my journey with mental illness, which has been a part of most of my life, even though I wasn't aware of the, the, the case, that that was the case, as well as the chronic pain I live with due to my neurological disorder, CRPS, which I spoke about in the first episode. Okay, so let's get personal, and I will just lay it all out there for you. You know, if I think about my my childhood, my home life, I had a really happy home life. I had loving 
parents. I had a loving family. We were, we always had food on the table. We were blessed with just having a good, you know, middle class life. We were, we were a, a thick unit. However, I did feel I was always an anxious kid. I felt like I was always very worried about things going wrong, very worried about hurting people, upsetting my parents, upsetting people. I, I remember having several nightmares very recurring ones as well and visions that I still get today uh, which is really weird at, at my age of 37 which I turned on June 29 between the last two episodes so yeah that was kind of weird because I feel like I'm 20 sometimes I feel like I'm 12 but you know that's besides the point but I think for me, what was the difficult part of my childhood, which for me explains a lot of things uh, that I deal with today, is the bullying that I would get when I was in school. So home, I felt like I had a, a safe place, but at school, I, I did not. I was bullied on pretty much a, a daily basis from as long as I can remember, sometimes violently bullied, and I just longed to be accepted and I just wanted people to just like leave me alone you know the main reason I was bullied was because I was I wasn't an overweight kid but maybe I was a bit slightly more than other children I I could say and I also just did not and do not have a mean bone in my body and I just just didn't really respond uh, to that bullying or that violence by standing up for myself or calling names back or anything I just kind of stayed quiet you know which which yes there's a difference between not acting out in violence and putting your your limits and standing up for yourself and those were and that was something I just was not good at, at doing clearly so this went on for till I was in about uh, grade five and then at that point between grade five and grade six so I, I guess that's 10 to 11 years old I went to a summer camp and I due to being active for a good six weeks I lost quite a bit of weight and I remember coming back to grade school on that first day and being much thinner and having these kids like these 11 year olds actually comment on my weight loss notice and all of a sudden the people who didn't talk to me wanted to talk to me and I was invited to birthdays and I was included in groups and all of a sudden I wasn't being made fun of anymore. So from a very early age, I basically started associating my weight loss with more friends and at the end of the day, love and acceptance. And I felt that, well, if I have control over my weight, then, you know, I can have control over my life. At the age of 11, I started having, I started my first diets and I started weighing myself in hiding in my parents' bedroom for, on a daily basis. Um, it started out on, a, you know, once a day and it would go sometimes up to five, ten times a day, which later on in my life ended up going up to, I, I could say some days I was weighing myself 20 times a day and all in hiding. 
in sixth grade, I remember throwing out my food when I thought nobody could see. Like I would throw out my lunch. I would throw out, you know, food at home. Starting restriction, decreasing my food intake. And at one point, you know, my family did uh, notice. So my mom, recall, took me to the doctor, to my pediatrician, who told her, your daughter has anorexia and she needs to see a therapist. So I, I do recall going to seeing a therapist a couple of times. And it's, it's kind of, I don't think anyone else in my family really knew about this, but my parents, you know, that I had gone to see doctors or a therapist or, or something like that, because it just wasn't something I think that people were at ease talking about due to the stereotype. And so after seeing a therapist a couple of times and having some, you know, really hard discussions with my parents, trying, I guess, to uh, shake myself out of it, I ended up starting to regain my weight and at one point I was weight restored we could say so that means I'm good right I'm all I'm all cured right I mean I I don't have an eating disorder anymore well that's absolutely far from the truth because an eating disorder isn't has is not just what your weight is Um, so I basically went on with my behaviors for the remainder um, of my life what I was not aware. I, in my mind, I was totally fine and I was, I was okay. In high school, though, I had such, uh, so much of more of a, a good time. I was at an all-girls school, and it really allowed me to kind of come into my own and and build some confidence. I always felt very shy around boys. I always felt, uh, I guess you could say, I was a little bit of a boy crazy kid, and I was afraid to kind of be myself in front of boys, especially, I guess, since boys were the ones that would bully me the most or the most violently, I guess. So I felt more accepted in in my high school. I still had a lot of my eating disorder behaviors. I was still weighing myself uh, every day. Uh, I was still always, you know, preoccupied about my you know, how I looked, especially my belly, having very negative thoughts about my body uh, all the time and my, my weight. But I was weight stable. But I was still very anxious and I had a big buildup of fear of loss and rejection. And I really had a lot of, still a lot of trouble standing up for myself. I was a people pleaser. I was just somebody who would bend over backwards for others wanting to do good and a lot of times it was to my own detriment I was kind of a naive kid though naive very innocent I guess I could say and didn't feel like I had a lot of confidence or or much strength when it came to real life and we did live a bit of a sheltered life I mean it's a cultural thing as well but there is some sheltering uh, over there what happened was that when I was 15 I think a month shy of my 16th birthday my family told me that my father was diagnosed with colorectal cancer and that he only had six months to live and that was actually pretty much what happened so I I was 16 it being January 1st New Year 2000 when everyone was preoccupied by that, uh, what was it again? Like the 
the whole thing of the computers are going to explode. I don't even remember that whole phenomenon. Everyone was afraid of, of the year 2000 changing. But yeah, I was pretty much dealing with the fact that my father had just passed away. Obviously, it toughened me up. I learned a lot from it. But I really felt like I had the weight of the world on my back. I felt responsible for my family. Being the eldest, I felt responsible uh, to care for my mom, who obviously was, you know, she was going through her own stuff with the uh, with my father's death. And, you know, my sister, who had her own way of dealing uh, with the with everything, um, had eventually moved to Vancouver. And I just felt like I was alone a lot in this struggle. Um, so much so that I didn't prioritize myself at all. And I realized a few years back, just a few years ago, but life went on. I went to see Japan University, which school-wise were the funnest years of my life. I mean, I went to Dawson College. It was like, wow, going from this a uh, really private all-girls Catholic school in Hunsik to Dawson College at Water Metro downtown, taking the buses and metros. Like I was like, oh yeah, you know, having fun. Started drinking, started partying, smoking, you know, just the things that I guess young kids do. But I was unfortunate to have some bad male partners not long after my father passed maybe six or seven months later I met my first abusive partner I think that that kind of set the tone for a lot of my male encounters uh, later on it's not something I've ever really spoken in detail about and I don't wish to but a lot of women you know we go through this these assaults whether they be physical emotional or sexual and you know thankfully the world is changing but it had a huge impact on the rest of my life. I felt like my anxiety was very, very heightened. And I just had this development of this increased need to satisfy or to be more submissive to, to men in my life. At the age of 25, after having anxiety attacks and panic attacks for the first time in my life, I was diagnosed with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and it was the first time that I was actually taking medication for mental illness, which is something that I never thought I would have to do. It was very difficult to be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, and I felt very self-conscious about it, especially since mental health was not, I mean, we're talking, what year was this? Uh, oof, uh, that was like about 12 years ago or um, 13 years ago, right? There has been talk of mental health increasing in the last decade, but it wasn't something that people like really spoke much about publicly or seeing a therapist was like a hush-hush thing. So I was self-conscious about it, like I said, but I was desperate for a break. I just needed something to help me stop that mental anguish of the suffering, of the you know recurring thoughts. My My recurring thoughts were mainly... A lot of fear of loss, fear of abandonment, uh, and especially when it came to my male partners. Um, also fear of uh, getting some kind of a disease or, or something like that. So I started seeing a psychologist. I, I saw her, I think, for about a couple of years. 
And we never, you know, we spoke about a lot of things, but we never talked about my eating disorder behaviors because for me, they were just normal behaviors. I I mean, I, I literally thought that everything that I was doing was just normal for me, you know. The only thing I felt was a little, okay, maybe too much and self-conscious about was weighing myself. I would do it in hiding all the time, not just at home, but, you know, uh, and everybody who has an eating disorder knows that every chance you get when you go to a friend's house, you know, not every single person with an eating disorder weighs themselves all the time, but most of us do. So whether it's at home, you go to the gym, you're going to a friend's house for a party, you go to the bathroom, you go to their bedroom, looking around for a scale. Yes, I admit I did all of all of these things. You know, we're going to be doing real talk on this show. It's not going to be like anything sugar-coated. So that one has kept going. The body checking in different mirrors under different lights kept uh, kept going. And like I subconsciously knew that there was something wrong in in doing it, but I could never identify or see that it was a real uh, an eating disorder. Life went on. Well, before I started dating my last partner, uh, my last long-term partner, I had started working one of the largest international accounting firms. I uh, graduated from Concordia with a certificate of graduate studies in chartered accountants. I became a CA in 2010 uh, when I changed jobs and started working in the finance industry. And I had met someone in 2009 who would become my partner of almost a decade. And yeah, I mean, things were, were rolling. I was with this person that in my mind was... Um, for my, my my life partner but going through all of these I was still in therapy on and off uh, I thought it was good to maintain up until 2013 and I think that that's when it was a big turning point in my life I was turning 30 and I you know someone in the office or several people in the office given weight is such a huge topic of discussion in our society was talking about how it was an all downhill after, you know, you turned 30, that you had to work hard not to gain weight, and that you you really need to get to the gym and all that, all of that stuff. And, you know, my mind just went like, oh, God, like, I, I just cannot, like, I cannot afford to gain weight. And that was just where that desperation is already like a, a sign of, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, I really don't want to gain weight. It was like, no, 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 like this is not an option. And I started exercising. I started exercising for health reasons. And I also started watching my food intake more and more. And I slowly started eliminating some foods that were portrayed by society as bad foods, such as pasta or bagels. Like, ooh, it's like, I don't know, six or eight slices of toast or burgers, pizza, you know, all that stuff that dietitians talk about as like the no-nos or anything like that it started off with those and then I got a pretty big promotion at work so I became the controller of finance and for those who don't know what controller finance is please google it I cannot explain to you every people who don't know accounting they ask this question and I'm like oh god how do I explain to people what this is it's different things so google it I suggest you google it yeah, so I became a controller at a very untypically young age. I mean, it was just not something 
at 30 years old that many people, more, more so women, were promoted to. And I just got very busy. I noticed that my anxiety was slowly getting lower. Uh, so I stopped my medications. I stopped my therapy. And I thought, hey, you know, I'm totally fine. I got this. And then 2014 rolled along. And I felt that life was going great. I had a partner that I felt at the time was right for me, despite some issues. My mind was filling up with other things. Work was getting busier and busier with more responsibility. It just was shifting my focus also very much on clean eating and working out. I started doing more activity. I started going out for runs. I started biking and playing volleyball. And, you know, all these things are great. But with that, I started working more and going out less and less. And I, 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 you know, I was favoring sleeping early and going to the gym instead of going to restaurants or happy hours with my friends and, and my coworkers, you know, it was just like, an, it had just become an obsession and I just had to go to the gym and I had to work out. And it started getting me more and more isolated because I was cutting more of my social circles in order to be able to do so. Every year on the holidays, besides the fact that it would always be difficult because it would remind me of my father's death, I always put this huge pressure on myself to lose a good chunk of weight because, you know, as everybody knows, oh yeah, holidays, you gain more weight and somebody with an eating disorder, holidays are very, very scary. Uh, so I go on crazy diets every year and, you know, before I knew it, my benchmark weight that I, I had set in mind just kept a lot getting lower and lower and lower. And between 2014 and 2016, I had lost about 25 to 30 pounds and I was not overweight I was pretty much at a normal weight and I was barely eating anything I was and I was just in in complete denial and that's just what the eating disorder does it just kind of keeps you in this loop of of um of denial and because it doesn't want to be found out right it's like they don't want to be found um, but they still want to put their poison through you and actually no matter how thin I got my in my mind I just was not thin enough um, even being at extremely low body mass indexes I just was never thin enough and it was nothing enough N it was never enough excuse me and then October 15 2015 happened this is what I call the famous treadmill moment. So, you know, my life, I could see it as divided as three parts. There was, for the longest time, I was saying there was my life prior to my father's death, prior to January 1st, 2000, and after my father's death. And then now it's the other benchmark date is October 15, 2015. And that was a day that everything changed uh, my whole life changed once again. So I was just, you know, on a treadmill running at the gym uh, in the morning, just like I would do almost every morning. And all of a sudden, and I was running pretty fast. I, I used to run like, I mean, I would run 24. I think my best time was 24 and a half minutes for a 5k. So yeah, that was pretty cool. But anyways, wh while I was running on the treadmill, 
all of a sudden my as as my left foot hit the ground I just had this unbelievably weird pain just shot up in my body and I had no idea what it was I thought it was like the weirdest thing and it was so strong that I actually couldn't continue running I said okay I guess I'll have to stop and I'll, I'll just continue tomorrow morning and you know the next morning I woke up and I remember getting out of bed and standing up and just collapsing and not being able to even hold my own weight because the pain was just unbearable so I limped my way to the bathroom that day thinking oh god like I think I need to see some sports therapist or something I mean maybe I just really screwed up my ankle or something so I did that I went to see a sports therapist I did all the physio I did all that stuff but the pain just persisted it went on for months and months and I mean I was just going nuts in my brain because I couldn't work out anymore I couldn't uh, run anymore I couldn't bike anymore I couldn't I was to, to be quite honest with all of you I was not even able to walk properly um, I would limp my way around I had to be on crutches I couldn't even go up the stairs properly anymore it was just bad I couldn't even take public transportation because just somebody brushing by me just a lightly was strong enough to start this a flare-up of these excruciating pain that I just didn't understand why was going on for for months so at this point that you know this so this started in October and then in December uh, I started doing yoga as some way of, of moving uh, because my eating disorder was just driving me nuts and of course I, I reduced my food intake even more to a number of calories that I will not mention but a scarily low amount the pain just kept kept going on January till April of the next year April 2016 I still had no idea what was happening and why I couldn't walk and why I had this pain that I could just not describe and it felt like it was changing every day one moment I felt like my foot was on fire and the next moment I felt like there was a truck that was parked uh, on 24 hours just crushing my foot and but there was like nothing my foot just looked normal and I did MRIs and I did scans and I did so many tests and everything just came out normal and just couldn't figure out why. So if I'm just going to step away from the foot pain for a, a while. In April 2016, I had gone to see my gynecologist because I wanted to start a family with my ex-partner in the summer of 2016 we were going to a wedding in Provence my friends Katia and Antoine's wedding in Provence and you know we were going to have a big wine summer and afterwards we wanted to try for a family and I was at the gynecologist and I had not had a period for two years at that point and she suggested that I gain a bit of weight so reluctantly I tried I, I really did 
but I was just unable to put the weight on and it actually drove me to go into more severe diets and I lost even more. The triggers were just insane. I remember I went to a cafe with my sister in beginning May 2016 and I sat down with her and I told her, you know, I said, I think I have a problem. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is. And I still couldn't even say, oh, I think I have an eating disorder. But I said, I think that there's some really weird relationship that I have with food. I mean, that's all that I could say. I, I explained to her the situation. I said, I, it's not normal. My body cannot function normally. I cannot even menstruate. And it's more important for me to be like underweight, like there must be something really weird here, right? And that's when she told me that she was relieved to hear me finally, after years of her wanting to bring it up, but not know how, that to see that I have anorexia. And I still couldn't admit it at that point. I still didn't really think I did have it. And that's when she suggested for me to go to the Douglas Mental Health Institution. And I was like, what the bleep? Me? The Douglas Mental Health? Like, seriously? No way. You know, like, I I, I really thought that she was, you know, I, I, was, I just didn't believe it. But she convinced me and I went to my family doctor and I got a requisition and I, I did submit it into the Douglas. During this time, I had gone to see a new specialist for my foot pain, bawling my eyes out. I mean, I, I, I had spent so many days in those months crying in private, sometimes even at the bathroom in my, at my office, because I just couldn't bear the pain anymore. But I just didn't want to show that I was quote unquote weak and I loved my job and I had already lost so much of you know, I had lost like so many of my basic abilities. I couldn't even clean my home. I couldn't cook nothing because of all the pain. I just couldn't fathom losing my job or not showing that I could do my work. But in this time when I went to see a specialist, finally, he was the first one. My my rheumatologist, Dr. Craig Watts, who, who clued in that I have complex regional pain syndrome, CRPS. And that's when I got my diagnosis, my pre-diagnosis, which was later confirmed by a neurologist. And I won't get into it too much this episode, but the quick definition as described by the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, CRPS is a chronic pain condition that most often affects one limb. Uh, usually after an injury or some sort of trauma. CRPS is believed to be a cause by, to be, excuse me, caused by damage to, to malfunction of the peripheral and central nervous systems. CRPS is categorized by prolonged or excessive pain and changes in skin color, temperature, and or swelling in the affected area. I mean, when I read about this disorder, I was really scared. If you go online, they actually call it the suicide disorder. And when you feel pain like that, that debilitating 
um, losing such quality of life, you don't know how you could go on the rest of your life that way. Thankfully, even though I do still feel pain on a daily basis, still today, after almost five years, I thankfully have made a lot of progress, but I'll cover those. I'll cover all of that in another episode that when we will talk about the actual disorder uh, in order to kind of inform people more and raise awareness for this disorder. Moving on, finally, I was uh, evaluated by the Douglas in June 2016, and I had I was diagnosed with severe anorexia nervosa. Uh, I had to leave work on August 2016. I started my first intervention in September 2016. It was a four-month program, and I thought I would be cured after that, but clearly that is definitely not the case with mental illness, especially not eating disorders. Yeah, I relapsed. After that, I lost my job in September 2017. I was not feeling very supported by my partner after that, and I had to relapse again and go back into his hospital again, and it was a rough few years. Finally, three weeks before my last hospitalization in October 2018, my ex-partner left me, and... Later on, I, when I found out he was with another woman afterwards, I was, I think that was the, that was really the, my low point of life. That was it. I mean, that, that was really my bottom, bottom. And it could gratefully only go off from there. So I'm happy to say that at this point, I finished, I'm still an outpatient at the Douglas. I am still outpatient at the pain clinic where they treat my CRPS, but I have now been uh, out of the more intense program at hospital for my anorexia since April of 2019, where I would relapse within the first six months. Uh, Now I have been relapse-free over a year. Uh, for over a year, yeah, it's still a work in progress, but uh, I really have had a really amazing couple of years learning a lot about myself, and and after doing a, a trip last year to Guatemala and to Costa Rica, I decided that, you know, I was going to put Australia as a thank you to me uh, present trip after after going through some more months of outpatient as you guys all heard in the first episode if you haven't listened to it you could listen to it that didn't work out clearly Australia did not work out you know I'm back here because of COVID but I am super super grateful because everything has happened has happens for a reason Uh, obviously I do not take away the fact that COVID has caused a lot of pain and suffering for many, some more than others. Everybody has suffered on some basis. Uh, But I do believe that there is a positive side, not for everyone. I respect for those who have had a lot of loss as well from this. But but it has created moments where people listen more to themselves maybe and that we are reevaluating our lives. For me, it has brought me here to beautiful British Columbia, where I've seen this beautiful nature right now. I'm working on a wonderful work away. 
on a beautiful farm with a wonderful woman named Ilana. Uh, I spent a week before in Vancouver with my buddy Nate, with my friend, good friend Zara. And I was able to spend some time with my other friends and it has gotten my creative juices flowing and here I am recording this podcast so yeah so that was kind of long but I guess if you want to summarize 37 years then you're gonna need about 37 minutes or so to do so so thanks everybody for listening in I hope that this episode kind of gave you a bit of a point of view of who I am, a bit more where I'm coming from, and maybe explaining a bit more why I think that mental health and wellness is such an important issue for us to discuss and to talk about. So join me on the next few episodes where I will be doing some interviews, and I'm really excited to have my next guest coming in for a recording tomorrow, uh, my good friend Emma Campbell, and we will be talking about clinical neuropsychology. So look out for that episode. I'll be posting it on the social media platforms in the next few weeks. So be, be well, everyone. Stay safe and take care. All my thoughts to you out there.